The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Church, would you take your Bible and turn to the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3? 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Children, please meet your workers at the back. I'm glad I remembered that. First Thessalonians chapter number 3. We're going to read verse number 11 through verse number 13, the close of the chapter. And I'll read out loud for our church if you'll read silently along with me. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse number 11, Now may our God and Father Himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that He may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all of His holy ones or His saints. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, we do pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word. We thank you for this time to gather today to worship, to pray, to give, to sing together, and to listen to the word of God that is inerrant and infallible and inspired. Lord, simply for all of us here today, whether those words are familiar or not, we believe that the Bible that we hold in our hand is the very word of God. So we pray that you'd teach us today, that you'd conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, and we shall thank you for it. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. By way of context, uh, this, these two chapters are two of my favorite chapters in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Uh, because the Apostle Paul is really talking about uh, the heart of a pastor or a shepherd. And so he's speaking to the church and telling them what they ought to be looking for. And I think likewise he's also speaking to the elders uh, at, that ch- at the church there in Thessalonica and saying these are the kind of things that ought to be in your life. And really if you were to go back and to read chapter 2 and 3 together, you would find that he speaks about four major categories there. Uh, First of all, he says that those who are in leadership ought to be good stewards of the gospel. That is, that they ought to protect, they ought to guard the gospel. There are so many, uh, even in our day, there are so many false gospels out there, such as the prosperity gospel, or the gospel of works, or all of these other things. And, And so the pastors, the shepherds of a church ought to always guard the gospel be stewards of that. And and we want to just remind ourselves today that when we speak of the gospel, uh, we speak of Jesus Christ is the gospel. And that He was born of the Virgin Mary into this world as the God-man, that He lived a perfect and a sinless life, that He went to the cross of Calvary and on Calvary there on the cross, that He bore into His body, into His life, all of the sins of those who would believe in the world, that He died there the death that we deserve and that only He could pay. Three days later on the morning of the third day, Jesus Christ Himself rose from the grave with power over death, hell, and the grave. He ascended on high. He makes intercession for His believers. And one day He is coming again for those who have put their faith and trust in Him. Amen, church? 
And it is every elder's responsibility to guard that truth and to remind the congregation that we are saved by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. It is His work and the faith in Him that matters. But not only would I say that it is uh, to be a steward, but then uh, on this Mother's Day, you should know that if you were to read chapter 2 and 3, the next two uh, metaphors or illustrations the Apostle Paul gives to the uh, leaders as he says, they ought to be like mothers and they ought to be like fathers. He says, uh, I was a mother to you. That is that I nurtured you. I loved you. I cared for you. I walked with you. I was there in your agony and I was there in your rejoicing. I was there in the good days and in the bad days. And I think all of us today on this Good Mother's Day would say we know some mother figure in our own life that has been there for us through thick and thin. Amen. And the Apostle Paul says, every good elder, every good leader, every good shepherd ought to have a nurturing sense upon their heart. And I would say, not only the elders of your church, but also those of the leaders in our family, whether it's mothers and fathers, or whether you're an aunt or an uncle or a friend, or even if you're a child and you're taking care of, so somebody is looking to you, there ought to be a motherly part of your life that loves upon them. But not only the mother and the father, therefore the education, the, the teaching, the growth. And, and I would say this even to all of our fathers, Ladies, I ought to get a good amen on this. Men, you ought to be the spiritual leaders of your home. Amen. That is, you ought to read the Bible, learn the Bible, and pray, and lead your wife and your children to love Jesus Christ and to love the Word of God and stay faithful to Him. You, you might be here today, men, and you might say, man, my, my wife and the mother of our children, I mean, she's far beyond me in spiritual growth. That's okay if she is. God has not called you to be the greatest scholar in the world. God has called you to be faithful to His Word and to take the initiation in your own life and in your family's life to lead them in the ways of Christ. It ought not to be that your children and your wife drag you to church on Sunday. You ought to get up every Sunday and say, I want our family to go to church to worship Jesus Christ and lead out in that direction. God has called us to educate, not only uh, would we say a steward of the gospel and a motherly instinct to love and nurture and grow and a fatherly instinct to, to lead out in the education of the Lord Jesus Christ in our families. But lastly, he says, a herald. Somebody who proclaims and speaks out the word of the living God. The Apostle Paul says that the leaders of your church ought always to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And that's where he finds himself in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And at the end of 3, the blessed Apostle Paul gives us a prayer for the church that I think is appropriate today, not only for our mothers that are here, but for every single person under the sound of my voice and listening to the word of the living God. Let us look at this prayer for a few minutes and see what the Lord would have for us. Notice it's broken into three phases. Verse number 11, 12, and 13. If you'll look in your English translation, you'll probably say something of the repetition of the word may or should or this is something that could take place. Notice it, verse number 11, now may. And then verse number 12, and may the Lord. In verse number three, uh, 13, so that he may. So you just circle those three. And there's your three-point outline, all right? And you can preach this message to those that are around you. Look at verse number 11. First of all, he says, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus Christ our Lord direct our way to you. 
You'll notice that in verse number 11 here, he says, now may, uh, he, he, he invokes both the Father and the Son, which is unusual for this early Jewish uh, writer. You see, the Apostle Paul uh, grew up in the Jewish world, and so he would have often just recognized the great Shema, that there's one uh, Lord God, and so he would have been speaking about the Father in heaven. But the Apostle Paul came to the understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God, very God, and so he invokes the name of the Father, Father in heaven and the Son to make this request. And he says, now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord or Master, notice what he says here, direct our way to you. Brothers and sisters, you, you might could say, not just uh, direct our way to you, but clear the way. In fact, the word for direct here is katamudai, which means that uh, you can remember, it means to cut down. It means to, to level the ground. And so what he's saying is here, may our God and Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ cut a clear path to you for us. The Apostle Paul says, I love you, and God wants us to come there. But if you remember earlier in the chapter, uh, in the chapters preceding this, it says, I wanted to come to you. I longed to come to you. In fact, me even more than everybody else. But Satan got in the way. There were problems and tribulations and trials. And the Apostle Paul loves the people, and he says, listen, my prayer is that God would cut a clear path from us to you. That God would remove all of the obstacles, that God would quench all of the problems, that God would smooth over and put a balm on all of the hurting souls, and that God would open and direct a way for us to get to you. And I want to say to all of us here today as believers, that wouldn't be a bad place for us to begin to pray in our life, to say, Lord, would you cut down the weeds that have grown up in my life, that have blocked away from you, from me to you, and from you to me. So all of us in this room, we have uh, things in our life, uh, whether they be sins, or you know, sometimes it's good things that just aren't the best things. But there are issues in our life that grow up and they cloud over that road. They, 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 and so you look back and you say, man, I knew there was a trail here and I knew that I was getting close to God, but now that's grown over and I'm not as close to Him as I used to be and I want to be closer to Him. Why don't you pray that God would cut a path between Him and yourself, taking away our sin, taking away our shame, putting all of our life upon the altar and asking God that He would bring us closer to Him. All of us in this room that are believers, we need to be close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You need to look in your life right now and say, what's going on in my life that is clouding my view of Christ and blocking the road? What does God need to cut out of my life so that I can be closer to Him? And I, I just want to share with you, if you're here this morning and you say, I, I can't think of anything in my life that is between me and the Lord, you need to repent and get right with God. No, I mean that in, I mean that in all seriousness. You, you're, you're a terrible sinner. And you're in need of the great grace of God, and so am I. And if you look at yourself every day and you think, well, I'm pretty good, everything's alright, I'm alright, everything's pretty good, then, then you're, you're growing constantly farther from you, from Him. The Apostle Paul, who is probably the greatest Christian that ever lived in the New Testament, said, I am chief among sinners near his death. And if the Apostle Paul, 
who wrote most of the New Testament, lived close to God, and near his death as an elderly man would say, I am the chief of sinners. I need grace. I need God to cut out sin in my life. Who are you and who am I to say anything different than he would? And if you don't know what is between you and the Savior, it's a good place for you to just pray and say, God, what's coming between me and you? There's an old hymn. I'm not sure if it's in our Redback hymnals or not, but uh, it goes like this. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. I wonder if there's anything between you and the Lord right now. I want to encourage you as a believer, cut that out. Ask for God to cut that out. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the best thing you can do is throw yourself at His mercy and say, Lord, would you cut a path into my heart and bring redemption to me? I need salvation. Not only that, but would you look at verse number 12 quickly? He says this, And may the Lord cause you to increase. Now notice he's talking to the church. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound. We'll get to that in a moment. In love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. Did you see the double progression in that one verse? Look at the progression again. There's two progressions. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound. There's the first progression. Now see, it's in love. And he says, I want you to increase in love. I want you to grow in love. But do you notice that it says, I want you to increase and abound. The word abound there means to super abound. Or it's like uh, when you pour a cup of coffee and, and it gets close to the brim and you pour it just a little too much and it starts to splash over the top. He says, I want you to increase. I want to pour love into your life for each other. But when it gets to the top, rather than just sipping it out and letting the love grow down, I want you to pour so much love into the their life, that it spills over into the saucer and that we're ministering and loving and caring for one another within the church body, not from the bottom of the cup, but from what is spilling over the top of the cup. And the problem with many of us in church life is that sometimes you're rather than walking with God and praying and growing in love from, uh, say, say, Monday through Saturday, you're not reading and you're not praying and you're not growing and you're not seeking for God to fill you up. Fill my cup, Lord. Lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. And rather than living from Monday to Saturday, begging and pleading for God to increase and abound our love for each other, we simply walk and stagger through the week. And when you come in on Sunday, rather than being able to just gush over love on people and the ones you love already and the ones you really uh, have struggles loving and the ones that grate on your nerves, rather than being able to just spill over love on your life, you're trying to get whatever's left at the bottom of the cup. And sometimes it's just sludge, you know, that kind of sludge coffee. You know what I'm talking about? You ought to be living in such a way that when you come in on Sundays and you have been praying for God to increase and abound the love for the brothers and sisters in this church and in your family so that no matter what happens, your first response is a Jesus response. Your first reaction is a Jesus kind of reaction. The words that come to your lips when somebody says something that doesn't strike you right or is hurtful is not, uh, uh, not, not a spirit of retaliation, but a spirit of absorption. 
and that you absorb that and you love them and you put your arms around each other and you live as the family of God, increasing in love and abounding in the love of God. But notice the second progression for in the verse, for each other and for everyone. The Lord wants us to begin, you know, judgment, the Bible says, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Don't worry about trying to make everybody else in the world right and all of your political views. Let's make the house of God and the people who are in this room right with God first. Amen? Let's, let's learn how to love each other well. But look at that progression. That you may increase and abound in love for each other. And for everybody. You see, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not an ingrown toenail. We are supposed to be ever living outward toward the world that is around us. Do you show love and kindness and mercy to unbelievers through the week? Do you ever share your gospel testimony with an unbelieving family member, an unbelieving coworker, somebody that you meet? Do you at least pray that God would bring you into the path of an unbeliever during one week that you might share truth and share the gospel with them? You see, brothers and sisters, if we're not sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not really truly loving other people in the world. So let's increase. Look at the prayer. I'll read it one more time. Look at verse number 12. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. Look at they say, just as we also do for you. Last thing I'll say about that verse is to notice this. The prayer is for God to cause us to increase. We need the Lord to help us individually and corporately to grow in love for each other and to grow in love for the lost world and our community that is right around us. Look at verse number 13. I'll give you this third simple point. So verse number 11, simply pray for God to clear the way, to direct and to cut out the things in our life that are between us and Him. Verse number 12, simply pray that the Lord would cause you to grow and abound in love for each other and for the lost world. Look at verse number 13. And so that he may establish, or I like the word stabilize, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all the saints. May we pray that God would clear a path in our own hearts between Him and between ourselves. May we pray that God would uh, increase our love for each other and for the lost world, and that all of this, that God would result in our life, that He may establish or stabilize our hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father. Let me say a couple of words about that. Notice here that the work is from the inside and out and not from the outside in. 
Aren't you reminded here of when Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are like those uh, white-walled sepulchers that are full of dead men's bones on the inside. Have you ever seen an above-ground tomb? Have you ever seen uh, a graveyard that had above-ground caskets uh, or, uh, or go to a mausoleum and you see all of the beauty that is on the outward, but we understand that uh, when we place somebody in the grave, that the natural processes of this world take and enact their way upon the human body. And what we understand is this too. There are many people that claim to be Christian and outwardly they hold the right Bibles, they wear the right clothes, they say the right things, they act the right way, they have all of the baptistic smiles, and yet on the inside they're full of dead men's bones. I know a lot of people that act in a fictitious way as if they are holy before God and they have many people fooled but their heart is far from God. Aren't you reminded of the Old Testament passage that says you're close to me with your lips but your heart is far from me? I ask you today to look into your own life right where you are and say, am I playing religion or truly in my heart of hearts, am I giving everything on the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a holy man or a holy woman? I want you to remember that you cannot fulfill the law in order to be saved. But every person for whom Christ died that received Him will follow the law in obedience as Christ is the capstone of the law. You cannot say, I'll just take all of the grace of Christ, but I don't want to live for Him. No, in order to rightly receive the grace of Christ is to open up and say, because Christ loved me enough to die for me, then I'll live my whole life in gratitude for what He has done, and I'll live a holy life because He is holy. Have you ever read in the New Testament in the Apostle, the Apostle Peter, First uh, Peter, Peter says this, he says, be holy, and he's quoting the Old Testament, be holy for I am holy. Have you ever wondered, how could I possibly be holy? The only way you can live a holy life is if you have the holy seed of God inside of you so that by nature you are a child of the King and therefore you can, by the Spirit of God, do as He asks you to do. So I come to the gospel and I say to all of us here today, whether you're a member or visitor, whether this is your first time, hopefully not your last time, or whether you've been here many years, I want you to understand the only way you will ever enter into the kingdom of God, into heaven, is by grace alone, in Christ alone, receiving what Jesus has done for you by faith. You cannot earn your way into heaven. However, I say to every human being in this room, understand that if you receive Receive Christ by faith. It is a submission of heart to live Christ's life. And the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Make no mistake today. You're saved by God's merciful grace on the cross, believing that He washes your sins away. But that kind of faith 
results in a life that lives for Jesus. Notice lastly, he says here, so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all of his saints. Did you know that the last verse of all five chapters in 1 Thessalonians, the last verse of every chapter, speaks about the second coming of Jesus Christ? Paul is preaching to a church that's undergoing massive amounts of persecution. It is the church in between the first coming and the second coming. And what is the impetus and what is the motivation to live a holy and blameless life? And why should we pray like this? And why should we live like this? Because one day the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen? There will come a day when all of our prayers and all of our faith and all of our living for Him will be busy at the work. And the Lord Jesus Christ will come back with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Until Christ come back, let us be faithful to Him and let us pray to Him that God would establish our hearts in holiness, that the Lord would help us to increase in our love for each other and our love for the world. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing together, but here's my plea with you. If you're here today, maybe visiting, we're so glad that you're here. We want you to know this could be the good, glad day that you lay down your weapons of pride and arrogance and just simply receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He loved you. He died for you. He rose again. Said, Pastor Steve, what do I need to do? Just simply right where you are, pray. Say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And I give you my life. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For all of us in this room who are believers and a part of this church and family, I want you to begin to pray in your own life. I want you to pray. Say, Lord, help me to love everybody else in this room. Even the ones that I struggle to love. Guess what? Sometimes they struggle to love you too. Just pray. Say, Lord, help me to love and help me to be holy. Just stand with us. Let's sing together. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.